0: Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 83. And I thought today that we would take a look at some verses from chapter two of Genesis, because it's very interesting here. It made me think of some things. But before we dive into that, let me give a big shout out to my listeners, because as usual, you guys are awesome. So a big shout out to Virginia, Oklahoma, California, Texas, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Ohio, Tennessee, Florida, West Virginia, Massachusetts, Georgia, Illinois, North Carolina, Michigan, Maryland, New Mexico, Oregon, New Hampshire, Arizona, Washington, Nebraska, Missouri, Wyoming, Alabama, New Jersey, New York, let's see here, Indiana, Utah, Connecticut, Colorado, Ontario, Minnesota, Rhode Island, Arkansas, Hawaii, Iowa, Kentucky, Kansas, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Montana, in terms of countries, let me pull up my list here. The United States, Spain, the Russian Federation, Ireland, Australia, France, Senegal, India, Poland, Germany, Vietnam, Namibia, Canada, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Slovakia, New Zealand, Brazil, Singapore, and Georgia. Okay, so again, we're going to be taking a, just a brief look at Genesis chapter 2. There are a couple verses there that really got my attention that I hadn't seen before. So, Let's see here. So it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the first thing that made me think of was the Big Bang Theory and what a big crock that is. See, because here's the thing. The Big Bang Theory is... It's just a theory. It hasn't been proven. So hence, it's not true. It's not accurate. But here's the thing. The Big Bang Theory states or says that basically all of us, the entire planet, the solar system, the universe, everything, we were all created from a Big Bang, basically from destruction. Well, that doesn't make sense because creation has never been created out of destroying something. And the first thing it made me think of when I saw these verses was uh, nuclear bombs. So, for example, the United States dropped two nuclear bombs in World War II. I think we threatened to drop a third one um, if if the Axis did not um, basically say, hey, we surrender, you know, Germany and Japan and, and Italy, Mussolini and all that stuff. So we dropped two nuclear bombs, and I believe one of them was dropped in Hiroshima, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So here's the thing. With a nuclear bomb – It's dealing with atoms and molecules and things of that nature. Well, the Big Bang Theory says that there was such a violent explosion of atoms and molecules, you know, slamming into each other, that all of this was created. The universe, the solar system, water, mountains, I mean, animals, you, me, everybody, right? Well, here's the thing. When the, when the nuclear bombs were dropped during World War II, there was nothing created. So if the Big Bang Theory is actually true, um, then every time we dropped a nuclear bomb, then there would have been a new planet created. There would have been a new galaxy. There would have been a new universe. But There would have been human life. There, there would have been animals, mountains, streams, all this stuff. None of that happened. Nuclear bombs destroyed so much when we dropped them. And we dropped them for a good reason because it stopped World War II. So here's the thing, though. I don't know what you know about a nuclear bomb, but if you look at images of it, of the aftermath of it, there was absolutely positively no creation taking place whatsoever. It was only massive destruction. So when those bombs were dropped, for example, they took pictures afterwards of the destruction and people were just obliterated. They were obliterated. Like even, like their bodies were gone, but their shadow was permanently scarred Or imprinted onto the surface of the ground. So there was no creation whatsoever. None. Another example I thought of in regards to the Big Bang Theory and it totally not being true would be Chernobyl. I don't know what you know about Chernobyl, but Chernobyl was a nuclear power plant that exploded over in the Soviet Union way back in the day in the USSR. And it was a very horrific accident. It was really stupid what they did because it could have totally been prevented. Um, from what I understand about it, what happened was the so-called geniuses that ran that plant, these stupid engineers, they were just testing something. <laughs> and their test went really bad and it blew it up. And it caused nuclear ash to fall from the sky and that nuclear ash actually got picked up by winds and it it spread across Europe a little bit with chernobyl when that puppy exploded there was no creation whatsoever there was only destruction there you know there was not an additional planet created there was no solar system that appeared you know there were not new bodies of water there were not palm trees there were not uh, you know new species of human beings were not created People were destroyed. Here's another thing. The, the women that lived near Chernobyl in villages and stuff that were exposed to the toxic nuclear hazardous waste and ash, if they were pregnant, their babies were either born stillborn or mentally retarded. And then even after that, their, their eggs were were really messed up after that so even years after chernobyl happened whenever they tried to have another baby 90 to 95% of the time it was mentally retarded because of what these women were exposed to so here's the thing nothing good comes out of destruction and destroying something nothing you know, what's interesting about the Big Bang Theory is that people are quick to believe a theory, but they are not quick to believe in God's holy word, which I find to be really odd. Because God's holy word is true. We've known this since the beginning of time. You know, God doesn't have theories. God has black and white, yes and no facts. Because our God is true. You know, what's interesting about theory is that it's just a theory until it can be proven or disproven. Well, the Big Bang Theory has been just proven time and time again, but yet people, stupidly, sadly, still keep believing in it. And I don't understand why. And so here's the thing. Like, I'm a very black and white, yes and no kind of gal. You know, I'm very analytical. I mean, I work in accounting. And it's just one of those things, like, that's just how I look at things. And I'm like, okay, let's prove it. So here's the thing. When it comes to having faith... I'm a little different on this because I know that faith it it requires a type of integrity that is is basically a requirement to be holy. And what I mean by that is that you, you have to believe in such a way that you've never believed before. Because you are believing beyond the natural because we worship a supernatural God. So when I take a look at my faith... Not only can I see the supernaturalness of it, but I can also see the natural side of it. So for example, my Heavenly Father has healed me multiple times. Healed me multiple times. He's helped me out in so many different ways. He's helped me get contracts. He's helped me get jobs. He's helped me get promoted. He's also saved me from death and disease. So it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that our faith is tangible even though it's not like something that you can actually physically touch just by saying, "Hey, I want to purchase some faith on Amazon." It's not like that. Faith is intangible technically because it's part of the spiritual world. It's part of the supernatural, but the way that it becomes tangible is when we apply it to our everyday life. Meaning like I'm alive, I have a body, I have a soul. You know, I, I have success and things like that. So that's how things become tangible. What's interesting is that faith is not a theory, it's fact. And the way that we know it's fact, first of all, is God's holy word, because God's holy word is true and God is faithful. So I always find it interesting whenever people say, oh, Lord, give me more faith. You know, I, I cannot ever think of a time where I have actually prayed something like that. I've never actually prayed, Lord, give me more faith. To me, you, you either have it or you don't. I think some people expect to have faith like, like when they're filling up their car with, with, uh, with gasoline, with fuel. Faith is not something that you can purchase. Faith is not something that, that you can measure. Oh, I've got a gallon of faith. I need to fill her up. Or I've got 22 gallons of faith. I'm good to go for the next six months. You know, faith, that's not how you measure faith. Faith is something that you choose to have because you choose to believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And see, here's the thing. You either have faith or you don't because I've met people that don't have faith at all. And they're usually atheists and agnostic or they're wicked or Buddhist, or um, sometimes Muslims. I have met some Muslims that over the years I'm pretty sure they're probably Christians now because they were doubting Um, the, The Muslim cult religion that they were raised in. Like they were actually starting to ask some really good questions. And I think that's really good. Because God gave us a brain. He wants us to ask questions. He wants us to have a very good journey in our life. And, you know, here's the thing. Some people say, well, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's like, well, actually, it's about both. God wants you to enjoy your journey. Even though it can be a little tough because life is not always easy, but he also wants you to, to want a good destination. And our destination should be heaven and peace. I mean, that's just how it should be. But if you're not looking forward to heaven and you're not trying to have, you're not trying to have heaven on earth, then what are you trying to have? See, here's the thing. Theories pull us away from God. God is not theoretical. He is real. And what I find very interesting about, you know, with atheists on this, you know, atheists, whenever they become Christians, they become the best Christians I have ever met because they know it's either all or nothing. You either believe in something or you don't. There is no wishy-washiness. And I have met some fake atheists over the years where they claim to be atheists, but they're really not. It's like, okay, don't be fake about anything. You either believe in God or you don't. You, you're either a Christian or you're not. You know, you, you either are an atheist or you're not. Like, there, there is no halfway house on this. There, there, is, there is no lukewarmness on this. So, I mean, you you either have to believe or you just have to acknowledge that, hey, why do I not believe? And just ask yourself, why do I not believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? And also talk to God about Just say, hey, I'm not really sure what to believe, Lord. Help me to understand this. And sometimes the question might be, help me to believe. But here's the thing. It's not, I don't think people actually have a belief problem or a faith problem, I think they have a a problem with doubt and fear. And I think they also have a knowledge problem. They don't have knowledge of God. And the reason why they don't have knowledge of God is because they're not reading his holy word. I mean, it would be like, you know, someone's trying to become a doctor, but they never go to medical school. And then they wonder why they don't have a medical degree. It's like, well, hello, you, you didn't go to medical school. In order to become a doctor, you have to be educated in that. You have to go through that training. Well, if, if you want to draw closer to God and if you want, you know, stronger faith or you, or you want to really know who God is, you have to walk in that journey. You have to walk in that faith because that's your training. That's your education. And that comes from God's holy word. So here's the thing. When you replace fear and doubt, with faith and God's holy word and the knowledge of God, all this bad stuff just disappears, like literally. That's what's happened in my life. Like when I focus on God, even when I don't have a clue how things are going to work out, I know my Heavenly Father knows everything. He's helping me with everything, and everything is going to be fine. But here's the thing. If you don't know who God is, and you don't have fellowship with him, you don't read your Bible every day, that's a problem. And there might be some of you that, that are like, well, reading the Bible is kind of burdensome. I don't enjoy it. Well, here's the thing. Find a way to enjoy it. And here's the thing. I have felt that way, too. Like, there was a time I was going through, like, a Bible plan, and I just didn't agree with it. I was like, you know what? I don't always have the time to do this. I just don't. And it's frustrating to me because then I feel guilty when I get behind on reading. And then I, it's like, okay, well, how does one avoid guilt? You just abandon it altogether. And so I didn't want to give up. I don't like to throw in the towel. That's not who I am. I like a challenge and I go for it because I like to succeed and I like to make sure I'm doing everything I can that I would say draws me closer to God. But, but I'm not, I'm trying to word this correctly, but I'm I'm trying not to word it in such a way that is negative because I've I've had a negative faith life, um, especially for the first 18 years of my life. But that was because of the wrath of God, um, church of Christ cult I was raised in so I'm trying to be delicate here because I'm not trying to push anybody away I'm trying to help people understand that hey when you're being pushed away from God that's when you need to lean in and really say Lord help me that's what I did because I knew that I was being raised incorrectly and I was being raised in the wrong faith so let me try and think of a better way to put this because I don't want to make this all about me and the hell I went through I I don't I don't like doing that If I can help someone get away from the hell they're in or escape from it, I will totally do it. But I want to make sure that this is positive and that it's always going forward, not backwards, because I don't like reliving the past because the past is past. I look forward to the here and now and very much the future, and that's what God expects us to do, especially with things that have hurt us and harmed us. We need to forgive, forget, move forward, and focus on God. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you are not focusing on God in the right way, if it's negative, for example, you know, I was raised you know, in a cult and I was raised that God was trying to kill me. Well, once I woke up to the fact that God is not trying to kill me, I was like, oh, God's word is actually very loving and kind. It's not hateful. It's not evil because God is not hateful and evil. Not ever. He is good and true, loving and kind. So once you change your lens, you know, let's say, for example, you have a camera and you're trying to take a really good picture But you just can't get a good picture. Well, you need to change your lens. That's how you see clearly. So once I changed the lens in in my faith camera, so to speak, in terms of this analogy, I started seeing things clearly for what they are. And it felt like, wow, this is reality. And reality is, God made everything. It wasn't a big bang theory. It wasn't a big, a big explosion. You know, we are not, um, you know, people did not descend from monkeys or apes or whatever. I think that's very degrading to say such a thing. You know, especially being that we were made in the image of Almighty God. Animals were not made in the image of God. Only human beings were. So to equate us to animals, it's it's pagan, It's it's really horrible to do such a thing because, you know, God did not give animals souls. They have personalities, but they don't have a soul. So how could we have possibly descended from animals when they don't have souls? And that's not how God created things. So just FYI, be aware of that. But what I'm trying to say is that God's holy word does not lie. The devil lies. All lies come straight out of the depths of hell. So if you think about it. The devil loves to use math, science, and theories in order to deter us from knowing God's holy word so that we won't read it. We won't know it. So I was getting really frustrated with with reading the Bible. So I recognized that, okay, I'm probably just reading a bad translation. That was very true. So I switched translations. I started enjoying it more, but I still felt like I was missing something. So I just started praying, Lord, help me understand your word. Help me to enjoy the books that I can't stand. <laughs> it's just because there were some books I hated. I hated reading uh, the book of wisdom and the book of Proverbs. I hated, it. And the reason why I hate it was because I was browbeaten with that as a little child and a little girl. And I hated it. And I was like, I, you know, it just, it really angered me when bad adults would try and tell me what to do when they don't even know how to live their life and they're not walking the straight line. I mean, young people know when adults are lying, especially kids. Kids kids may not know everything, but they they you know, they they recognize when a um, basically when an adult is dishonest, especially when it comes to religion. And children can sometimes be like, "Well, I'm just not going to believe in any of it." Well, for me, I knew that they were lying about how they were presenting things, but that didn't cause me to doubt you know, everything. It didn't cause me to doubt God 100% because I didn't doubt God. I just thought for the longest time he was a jerk, but I knew he existed. But anyway, so the way that I started to enjoy God's holy word more was to change how I read it. Read a different translation and then how I'm reading it. Am I reading it out loud? So I started reading out loud to myself. And so I started to think, okay, This is God's holy word, and I know that to be true. So I'm going to read this in such a way that God is speaking directly to me. He is speaking directly to Leslie Sullivan. He is speaking directly to my soul. So when I looked at it that way, because that actually is what this is, God is speaking directly to us on an individual level. God doesn't speak to us as a collective or as a whole. He speaks to us as individual Christian believers because that's what we are. We are his individual children. We are made up of his family. That's why we are the body of Christ. We're not the blob of Christ. you know. We are the body of Christ. So that's why God wants to hear us pray individually. We can pray as a collective, like a church or something like that. But it's important to also have your individual prayer life with God because he wants to hear from you every day of your life. I mean, it's like a marriage. I mean, how would you like it if you're married to someone... And you never talk. You never have breakfast together. You never have lunch together. You never have dinner together. I mean, you never go to a movie. You never go on a date. I mean, you you never talk about what's going on in your life. You know, what maybe you're scared about. Maybe you had a rough day at work. Maybe you're really concerned about your job or maybe you're really concerned about a family member, but you never talk to each other as husband and wife. Well, marriages fall apart very easily. When when the spouses do not talk to each other and they're not open and honest. And here's another reason why a lot of marriages fall apart. They don't put God first. They don't pray together. You know, God wants fellowship with you as an individual, but also he wants fellowship with you when you're married between you and your spouse. So that's why God very much values fellowship. You know, God very much values, he is a very much, I would say, a, a relational God. He wants, you know, he relates to us because he loves us, he, he created us. He also wants to have a relationship with us. You know, relationships take work. So needless to say, when I identified in myself that I was having a problem with enjoying God's holy word, and this was years ago this happened, I started finding different ways to really learn from God. So basically, I made it less about me and more about God. Like, what can I learn about the the individual that created me, which would be my Heavenly Father? Because, to be honest, I felt a disconnect between God because I did not, and I still somewhat don't understand love in terms of family and things like that because I was not raised in a happy home I mean it just wasn't happy so being that I I don't have that background of having a kind loving childhood or family in that respect I mean things have improved over the years for sure but you know I'll just say, I was jealous of a whole lot of kids when I was younger because I could easily see that they had a great home life. I did not have a great home life. And our home life was dictated by this cult. It was hell. So being that I didn't really understand what it meant to have a a heavenly father, I, I didn't understand... I didn't I did have a clear understanding of the, of the important roles of men and women in society. I just knew I didn't like what I was raised in. So to me, it was just all bad, even though that's not how we're supposed to live our life. And so it's one of those things, children, when they are trying to grasp what's happening and they're trying to understand reality, but their reality is not the right reality it's not what they are supposed to be raised in. It makes it difficult for them as adults. And I'm speaking from experience on this, it makes it difficult for them as adults to, to try and find their way in life. To try and find their, their journey and their, their, their destiny and to understand who God made them to be, if they even believe in God. See, I consider, I consider myself very lucky that I still believed in God even though I went through hell. So needless to say, you know, as an adult, I found different ways to really understand God from his holy word because I knew that he existed. It's just I still did not feel loved. And so once I identified that, hey, this comes from this, this comes back to not feeling loved. So that's why I started reading the Bible from a point of view of. I don't really like what I was raised in, so I'm not going to think about me. I want to focus on God. That doesn't mean I'm not important. That doesn't mean that that things are not being addressed. It means that when I put my focus on God, everything else made sense because God enlightened my mind. He gave me wisdom to understand that, yes, you went through some things, but that's the past. Here's where I really want you to be. I do love you. I care about you very much. You are not your past. You belong to me. That warmed my heart. And so then I was actually able to read the Bible in a, in a way that I knew I was worthy of God's love. See, when children don't know love, they don't feel worthy for a long time. I mean, I'm now 39 years old. And, you know, I very rarely have felt loved in my life. Very rarely. But once I focus on God, I have never felt that kind of love in my life. I just feel complete. I feel whole. And because I feel and I know that God has healed my broken heart, like my heart was shattered. It was just absolutely broken into pieces. He not only put it back together, mended it, but gave me a new heart. So that is the love of our Heavenly Father. And see, here's the thing. That kind of love doesn't happen by accident. That kind of love and fellowship and and relationship doesn't happen from a theory. And it also doesn't happen from destruction. Like, I guarantee you, when the United States dropped those nuclear bombs on our enemies, they felt no love whatsoever. It brought them to their knees and they surrendered. And when Chernobyl happened, there was, you know, it didn't feel loving when that that power plant blew up. It was death, disease, and destruction is what it was. Because a lot of those people that, that got exposed to nuclear ash, they developed a whole lot of cancers that normally people don't get at that kind of rapid rate. So needless to say, when I read these verses from Genesis chapter 2, and I'm reading from the Leadership Bible, which is the NIV Bible. It's the new international version. It's a really good one. You can get one on Amazon. When I read these verses from chapter 2 of Genesis, just those first three verses, immediately my mind felt, it just felt like it opened up. And I was like, wow, this is why the Big Bang Theory is wrong. Because all the vastness of the universe comes from God. It does not come from destroying something. Because when you destroy something, it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't grow new life. So again, I find this to be very interesting because God is all about blessing his people. God blessed us with a vast I would say life, a vast existence, a vast universe and galaxies. I mean, it's just amazing what all God has created. That is not accident. That's not evolution. Do things evolve over time? Sure. Like, even dogs and cats are not the exact same breed that they were like 2,000 years ago. But, I mean, we didn't evolve from them just like we did not evolve from monkeys and apes or gorillas. I mean, here's another thing. I'll close with this. If we really had evolved from monkeys, apes, or gorillas, then they wouldn't be here anymore. Cause usually when something evolves from something else, whatever it evolved from dies off and goes away. Monkeys, apes, and gorillas, orangutans, or whatever, <coughs> excuse me, they haven't gone away. They're still in the wild and some of them are in the zoo. So how can, how could we have possibly evolved from something that is not extinct? I mean that that's just how it is. You know like, you know, for example, alligators and crocodiles and some other lizards or whatever, they they very much evolved from dinosaurs. But we don't still have dinosaurs on this planet. If we did, it would make uh, for a very interesting drive to work to be trying to outrun a T-Rex and you just hope and pray you at least have a V6 or a V8 in your car. <laughs> so <laughs> Jurassic Park uh, part two right so um, needs to say I think we really need to wake up to the fact that sometimes people they, they are so quick to disbelieve God because they want everything to make sense in the way that humans want things to make sense but that's not God's way we're not called to believe In a way that's like, well, I can explain because I have math, science, and research, and modern medicine. You know, God gave us all those things. But whatever God gives you, that doesn't give you permission to only believe in math and science or research or medicine or something. And those things are good, but you don't just believe in those and get rid of God. That's technically being a pagan or a heretic. You're basically worshiping something that cannot save your soul, cannot help you or bless you. And also, you're taking something that God gave you to be a blessing in your life, and you're starting to worship it as opposed to worshiping the one who gave it to you, which is our Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joshua. And later on in the Bible, we will see where God was very strict with the Israelites about how they are to worship him and what they are not to do because God knew that they could easily fall trapped to worshiping idols because they came from a very pagan type of enslavement. I mean, they were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. And the Egyptians were extremely pagan. They had a, a, a god or a demigod, a, a, an idol for everything. For everything. So needless to say, you know, a lot, I've met some people over the years that They don't like religion because it's too many rules. I'm like, okay, well, have you ever read um, a the the the, uh, basically the IRS code, or have you ever taken driver's ed and looked at all the rules, laws, regulations, and codes of driving on the road? Like, if you're really against all rules, you wouldn't follow anything. You wouldn't drive on the correct side of the road. You wouldn't stop at a stop sign. You wouldn't stop at a stoplight. You wouldn't do the speed limit on the highway. I mean, or or let's say, for example, you have a bacterial infection. You wouldn't follow the doctor's orders on the bottle. You wouldn't take, you know, two pills in the morning, two pills at night. You would just take all of them all at once and then wonder why your liver and your kidneys are failing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like I find it very odd that people will follow rules that society sets, but they don't want to follow the golden rule that comes from God. Which is interesting because our society is built upon God's Holy Word because we are one nation under God. Whether you like it or not, we are one nation under God, so don't throw that away. God loves you very much. He's for you, He's not against you. But here's the thing though, if you don't read His Holy Word, you're not gonna really know who God is and you're gonna think, well, He's just for show, He's not real, or He's too demanding, or he, He's evil. It's like, you know what, if you don't read his word, you got nothing. It's kind of like when, you know, like when you're in high school or middle school and you have to do a book report. And let's say you didn't even read the book at all. So you're like, well, I, I read the cover. I read the back. I looked at, you know, some of the titles of the chapters. I think I know what the book's about. And then you write, you write a book report about a book that you've never read. And then you wonder why you got an F on. The teacher's like, okay, you totally did not read this book. Or let's say, for example, you, you read the book a little bit. You know, let's say you got the cliff notes. Cliff notes are not the actual book. And if you don't know what cliff notes are, it was, <laughs> it was a lazy, slothful way to try and write a book report. Instead of reading the entire book, you would just read basically the highlights. You know, it's like watching it's like watching espn sports where where you don't actually watch the entire game you just watch the highlights and then you you act like oh yeah i know about that game you know did you see so and so do this it's like oh well did you see this at half time you're like oh well i didn't actually watch the game and you're like dude you're acting like you watched the entire game and you didn't like all you did was watch the highlights and you act like you watched everything come on now it's the exact same thing when you know you're you're cheating on a book report. You're basically saying, I read this entire book, but you really just read the cliff notes. It's the exact same thing with God's holy word. Why wouldn't you want to read all of God's holy word? All, all of his word are his promises to us from him. And everything you need is in his word. Because his word sustains you. And here's another thing. If you don't read his word... Then you're not really going to know for the most part when someone's lying to you. Because you will believe almost anything and everything that is on the internet. Or on TV. You know, God's holy word is true. And, you know, what's interesting is that when someone doesn't want to hear the truth or they don't want to believe in the truth, they think, oh, you're just full of rules. You're just conservative. You're too traditional. Here's the thing, unbelief will always lead you astray. And here's another thing, if you're not reading God's holy word, you're not going towards God, you're drifting away from him. That's probably one of the biggest problems with Christians that I see, is that yes, they go to church, but do they read his word? Sometimes the only word they hear are the verses that the preacher says, and it might just be one or two verses on a Sunday or a Saturday. I'm like, that's all you're getting a week? That's it? I mean, that, that's just insane. Like, one thing I did, and I, I think I said this before, I created my own Bible plan. Because I was like, you know what? I'm not really liking some of the Bible plans I saw out there. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to make up my own. So what I do is I read God's Holy Word four times a day. And each time I read His Holy Word, I read two chapters. So, for example, in the book of Genesis... I read the first chapter and the last chapter and then I work my way towards the middle and I've been doing that in every book. And it's really interesting because you know, I've read the Bible all the way straight through from Genesis all the way to revelation, then all the way from you know, revelation, all the way to Genesis. Like I've read it backwards and forwards and I was like, Hey, I kind of want to read it a new way. I like seeing it that way. Cause it's, it's interesting. Every time I read God's Holy word, I learn something new and I see something that I never saw before. Here's the thing. Whenever I'm, you know, rewatching a movie, I I don't really have that same experience. Like there's not a new epiphany. There's not a, "Oh, that's what that means." It's never like that. It's kind of like, you know, whenever you have reruns on TV like, "Yeah, I've seen that before," but it's not enlightening. Because th- there's nothing to draw from. It's just entertainment. God's holy word is enlightening to the mind, to the heart, and to the soul. And so that's what helps you to let your light shine in this world. And, and that's also what helps you to draw closer to God. And it helps you to dispel the darkness. It helps you to get rid of darkness. You know, God's holy word is, is a light to our feet. It, it's a lamp to our feet. Because we need to know where we're walking. But if you don't read God's holy word, you are going to get lost one way or another. I mean, God still loves you, very much so. But we have a responsibility to draw closer and closer to God every day of our life. And that doesn't mean being militant about it. That doesn't mean being a crazy Bible thumper. It just means find something that's enjoyable for you to draw closer to God. You know, there, there's not just one roadmap of fellowship with God. There's so many different ways of drawing close to God. Like I've met people over the years that they love to have a yearly retreat with their friends. And maybe they might go stay at a cabin, you know, like in Colorado or Canada or somewhere. And they go on hiking trails. And so they'll, you know, whenever they stop to rest, they might pray for each other. They might meditate. They might read a couple of Bible verses or something. Or they just might... Talk about the beauty of nature and how much God has blessed them. I mean, it's a spiritual retreat. So, I mean, there are so many different ways to draw closer to God. It's not just about what you do in your home and what you do at church, although those things are very important. It's what you do in between, I think, that really makes up the difference. That's just my personal opinion, but that's just what I've noticed in my life. It's in between church and home. That really determines how strong is your faith. And here's the thing. You know, the Lord said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. That is super strong, super powerful. So, you know, let me say this. If you think you have not enough faith, you are selling yourself short because the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ that is amazing faith right there and the enemy wants you to think that because you're not some super christian or you don't look super holy or something you're not super religious that oh well you must not be a real christian because you don't you know you can't compete with these others we don't have to compete with anyone because you know we've already won we won the victory through Christ Jesus so it it should never be a competition between christians or denominations we've already won So what are we worried about? We shouldn't be worried about anything. And here's the thing. I've met people that on the surface, it looks like they don't have much faith. But I'm like, you know what? I know they have amazing faith because they believe. That little kernel, that little seed of truth that is in their heart. That helps them every day of their life because they believe in Jesus Christ that is far stronger than any nuclear bomb or any chernobyl power plant it is far more powerful than any of that so wherever you are in your faith don't ever sell yourself short you have amazing amounts of faith that that you just don't realize and the reason why you don't realize how much faith you have is because you you can't count it you can't quantify it again It's not like filling up your car with fuel. So here's the thing. If you believe in Jesus Christ, know that you have a full tank of gas. You have a full tank of faith. Because it's not just a little faith. It's a whole lot of faith. Why? Because God loves you. Like, do you have any idea how many people are so hateful and horrible towards God and they refuse to believe in him? And they're like, oh, I don't have any faith at all. Well, I believe it because of how hateful they are to God. So here's the thing, you are the direct opposite of them, even if you just are a baby Christian. You have way more faith than them because they have none at all. And that's really sad, they have none at all, but they chose that. You know, This might shock some people, I've said this before, God doesn't send people to hell, people send themselves to hell. They send themselves to hell by not believing, misbehaving, not repenting, and not doing the will of their Heavenly Father. That's the thing. We make choices every day of what to do. And those are choices that are typically between going to church and between our home life. And all those things in between, it all adds up. It's kind of like a sandwich. You know, like what's in the middle? Is it ham? Is it beef? You know, that's where the meat is, right? Between the two slices of bread. So you want to make sure that you are getting everything you need to survive and to thrive and everything you need is in god's holy word so give god a chance i think you will be pleasantly surprised and also amazingly blessed and abundantly so i will go ahead and end this podcast but as usual until next time i pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you so much god bless and bye bye